17 Mondays in a row. The market's in the green. Six-day winning streak. Spoos have not seen that closing price yet today. The Bulls got some work to do. Maybe the Bears will pull their head out of the clouds and make a make an attack. But we got some good earnings to talk about from Datadog lifting the cloud sector. And we have some earnings that aren't so good. We got Derek Olden Smith at 835 with some trading setups here on T3 Tuesday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Welcome, traders and investors. We're starting out just a little bit in the red. Nine and three, eight and three quarters handles. Nine and three quarters handles. Mid range at forty three seventy three fifty. A uh, buck rebounding after a bad day yesterday, but we are now up thirty four cents at one hundred five forty four. Bonds being down yesterday really didn't hurt us that much. Up a half a point at one thirteen. You hang around support too long, like 80 bucks in crude, you take it out down a buck 66 to 79.15. Gold in the red by 23.50, now distancing itself from 2K. Silver in the red, much more on a percentage basis, down 63 cents to 22.60. Uh, Bitcoin, the futures are down $310 at 35,010. Let's bring in Triple D here. Triple D, can the, are, are the Bulls really going to make a stand today and make it seven up days in a row? I'm getting a, it just feels like we're just, we're just hanging up here. And where's the catalyst? What, what, what's the next move to take? It move? wasn't a good day for the Bulls yesterday. So people will say, oh, yes, S&P up because S&P blinders once again. Majority of stocks were down yesterday. A lot of smaller tech stocks got crushed. It was the big seven, the Magnificent Seven, holding up the S&P once again. IWM had a terrible day. We kind of were concerned. TLT didn't have a good day. IWM followed suit. We've been talking about the TLT and the IWM being linked and obviously at the hip there, connected at the hip. TLT bouncing a little bit this morning here, so that helps a little bit maybe to the TLT, but it's not much of a bounce. Overall, I would say yesterday was not a good day for the Bulls. Okay. All right. Let's uh let's bring in Money Mitch here. And he's got uh he's got some real a real good report. Let's start out good. Let's let's start out with the good stuff, Mitch. What do you got for us on this Tuesday? Data dog Q3 uh EPS coming in here at 45 cents beats the 34 cent estimate. Revenues of 547.536 million beat the 524.125 million estimate. They do see Q4 adjusted EPS at 42 cents to 44 cents versus a 35 cent estimate here. So good outlook there. Revenues also a little bit higher here. Bottom end 564 to 568 million versus a 543.939 million estimate. So pretty good beat there on revenues. Also putting out their full 
fiscal year 23 EPS now to 152 and 154 versus a 133 estimate and revenues at 2.103 and 2.107 versus a 2.06 estimate. So not bad here as uh, cloud is going to get the lift. Yeah, all cloud stocks are going to lift on this. I'll just say like the moves on some of these earnings reports seem just crazy. I mean, it is a good report. Don't kid yourself. Stock should be up. But I mean, it's like we bring something up 20% every single day, you know, fairly large companies. We knock something down 20 or 30% every single day. I mean, and some of these reports, you know, aren't even that bad. It's just like you miss by a little bit and they crush you. You beat by a little bit and they rally the hell out of it. So, I mean, it's just this market we're in. It's very, you know, the price discovery here off the earnings report is really incredible. You know, just nobody wants to be on the other side. Nobody providing liquidity into these reports. And they really move. So, I mean, a 21% move seems way overdone. But we know what we've seen before is it seems like in the last, you know, few days, at least the last six days since the new bull market has begun, I'm not saying it's going to continue, but this new mini bull market that we're experiencing has begun, is there's follow through. And, you know, we get these big moves and you think, okay, I'm going to go fade it on day one like a Roku and boom, you know, no, there's more behind it. So, I mean, I've learned the hard way. You just can't fade these moves on day one. Boy, oh boy. I'm just going to say you got some nice confluence out there. I don't know how many people are that active that were long the stock, uh, but your pre-market high comes in at a 101.40. And right here on the dailies, the upper right chart, you had two highs in that area, 101.16 and 102. You almost stopped in the middle. People are taking profits here. I don't know if you're going to get another look at that number. We seem to be losing a bid here at 96. In order to give you support, um, I would need to be a magician because the top of yesterday's range hit uh, 82.87. So, Nice report we're leaking, Dennis. Is it flowing over to any of the other cloud stocks? Uh, yeah, for sure. Twilio, you think about, um, I can just go to my filters. Basically, every stock that's pretty much up is a cloud stock. Um, Salesforce.com, your biggest one, obviously. Um, that's not going to move as much because of the market cap, but it is trading in the green here. You could go into the CrowdStrike, Zscaler. Um, net, so looking at Cloudflare, Twilio. I mean, I'm just going through my filter here and just cherry picking mm -hmm. all the cloud stocks. Would I mean, Oracle be there? I mean, um, that's that's, that's a big. Yeah, Oracle's trading yeah. up. Microsoft is trading up. This is all off this Datadog report. Google's mm -hmm. trading higher here as well. Anything that's got a little bit of cloud in it is trying to fly to the clouds today here. That's a bad pun. <laughs> i'll let you get away with that one um huh. yeah we'll see what happens i mean microsoft's been the the big mover right let's just be honest that has continued on a nice trend since yeah. their earnings yeah. and is almost back to when they got hit on july 18th off their yeah. earnings which was a high of 366.78 right i just think there. that we can take that high let's let's just take this into perspective here i mean the tech rally in the last seven days has been nothing short of incredible. Yeah. And a lot of other stocks not participating. This continues to be tech or bust. If you're long a lot of other exactly. stocks, you hate this market. If you're long a lot of tech, you love this market. And, you know, we get a sell-off in September and October, fairly significantly on the queues. We get three quarters of it back in six days. I mean, you cannot argue with the bull market in tech. It has been there. Tech has been in a bull market, it seems like, for a decade pretty much has 
every depth gets bought. The Apple earnings were not good. The stock got it down to buy it right back. They just can't do it. NVIDIA is going to report later, obviously, in the quarter here. But, you know, it falls under 400, catches a few people, and then bounces right back up. AMD reported a terrible quarter. They turn around and start buying, and they can't stop buying it. They are buying dips in tech. So, yeah. you know, as much as they were buying dips across the board three, four days ago, that has kind of subsided, but they are still fully buying dips in tech. Tech continues to merge. And, and, and the money is just hiding in the big names. And I think that's important to kind of note. Always and, uh, yesterday, it was really, really interesting just watching those bigger boys be up and the market kind of heading down. We'll see what happens there. Let's get to Uber Technologies. Q3 sales of $9.29 billion beat the $8.99 billion estimate. Their Q3 gross bookings were at $35.3 billion, up 21% year over year. Mobility gross bookings were at $17.9 billion, up 32% year over year. And delivery gross bookings at $16.1 billion, up 18%. Trips at $2.4 billion, up 25%. So um, I don't know if it's just, you know, just cost and prices going higher, but these year over year comparisons are pretty high here for Uber. It's been a big move off the lows. That's the one issue Uber has. This report's a week ago, and this report's probably there up significantly on it because it was in the getter. But, I mean, it just rallied 20% ahead of this report in a week from 40 to 48. Yeah. So we sit here at 48. Again, maybe a victim of, obviously, its own recent performance. You know, Datadog, alternatively, rallied nothing. Then maybe that's what we've got to look at. You know, going back to, you know, what Spinner talks about in the chat, what I talk about as well is expectations going in, just looking at the chart and saying, Here's a stock, Datadog, that's actually sitting on the lows. It did not participate in the rally whatsoever. It's the one that really, really goes. And then you have Uber, which rallies 20% in a week, reports okay numbers, but again, too much too fast. So expectations are everything in this market. Uh, this same thing as the Datadog chart. I mean, you ran into, you ran into some daily resistance here and you have been able to punch through. There's uh, several highs in the upper 48 handle. You did pop over 49 yesterday. So, or excuse me, in the uh, in the pre-market. So, first things first, what you want, what you bulls want to do, is you want to take out yesterday's high at 48.30. That's only, uh, you know, it's not too far away, 18 cents away when all the close, the close was, excuse me, 48.14. So, you know, you get a bid at 48. Someone's willing to buy this at 48. You know, maybe work your way up closer to 49. Kind of a tight range yesterday. So I think the key to see what Wall Street thinks about this report is holding yesterday's low at 47.43. Wow, they really jacked this thing down, Dennis. 44.18 is uh, your pre-market low. I don't know what they saw in the report that they would knock it down three bucks from there. Uh, but then look at the look at the stepbrother lift and lift is still lift. Look at that thing. That just down hanging at the 1050 area. That's got a double top at the 1074, 1076 area. Vertex Pharmaceuticals here. Let's take a look here. And this is an interesting report, but not doing anything. And I think the algos might have got this wrong because I do see a spike to 393.39. I wanted to ask if you guys have that print also. 
Uh, VRTX here, Q3 adjusted EPS at $4.08, beats the $3.98 estimate. Sales of $2.48 billion missed the $2.5 billion estimate. They raised the fiscal year product revenue guidance from $9.7 billion and $9.8 billion to $9.85 billion. Uh, popping a drop there. Um, again, same story. Expectations <laughs> here. Stock runs up, you know, from 355 five days ago. I'm, I'm actually, it's 363. No, 355. The open 355. Five days ago to 385. Goes up 10% in five days. So now expectations are higher. I mean, sometimes it's just simplistic. And, you know, that's what we try to do on the show is just keep it simplistic. I think you look at the charts. And again, you know, I tweeted out yesterday, support, resistance, trends. Look how much a stock has moved into the reports. They've moved straight up into the reports. It means they got to blow it away. They've moved, you know, not moved up or moved down into the report. They don't have to do much. That's what is, we're back to that again. So VRTX moves straight up. Again, this isn't your, you know, this isn't your sexy tech stock here either. Yes, Vertex, you know, has a great company. Yes, you know, they got some great drugs in the pipeline here. Uh, but this isn't, you know, you know, cloud. This isn't a storied tech stock here. It's not a stock that's moving around 20%, you know, on a good report. So um, it's a little bit more of a defensive name. They're not into that right now. Right now they're looking at buying dips and they think that, the, you know, that we're going into the new bull market. That's what the market thinks. I don't know if I agree with that or not, but that's what the market thinks. And they're not buying stocks like Vertex right now. I, Mitch, I did see that pop up there. I, um, on my, uh, my machine, it says 393.39. Uh, you are opening at yesterday's low. So the bulls got to get a bid here. 379 exactly was yesterday's low. Uh, so get must very important to get a bid there. It doesn't look like it's going to be holding. Um, underneath that, you can see the two daily lows in the way. Uh, down next one's down at three, just under 376 and under 368. So 976 shares have traded. But if someone decides they like this report, they can buy it right now, right just at yesterday's low. Emerson Electric Q4 adjusted at $1.29, misses $1.31 estimate. Sales of $4.09 billion, missed the $4.19 billion estimate. They do see Q1 adjusted EPS at $1 to $1.05 versus $1.12 estimate. And net sales growth at 14 to 17.5%. Emerson sees fiscal 24 adjusted EPS at $5.15 to $5.35 versus a $5.25 estimate here. This is just a good example of this market. This kind of stock they absolutely don't want. Cyclical, not tech. Um, defensive to a certain extent, lower PE names. The lower PE names just continue to go lower. You know, I've learned that the hard way. This is the market that we're in. It's like, you, you, you know, you look at a data dog, and I don't know if the PE on data dog is 40, 45. I mean, these are the ones, you know, beats by a little bit. It's like, oh, that P, you know, they're going to grow into it. And here's, you know, like, oh, there's opposite effect, you know, P of 12, 13 coming in here. They lower guidance, like, oh, man, it's a value trap. So, I mean, it's everything on value is guilty until proven innocent. And growth gets a pass, even if, you know, they, you know, obviously have high valuations here. So, continues to be the tale of two markets. They don't like cyclicals. They don't like any small caps. They don't like anything that needs finance. They don't like banks. They don't like this, but they love tech. You got tech. Versus the world. Tech versus the world. Not much here. I mean, this is a big move for good old uh, Emerson Electric. I don't see anything in here until the lower 86 handle. Things are kind of quiet. Uh, just right now in the pre-market trading, 25,000 shares have traded. But if you look right here, 
That'd be a big move. This is, a, I'm sure this is over the expected move for Emerson Electric here. Man, I, I haven't heard that name in a long time. But uh, <laughs> the Bears could, uh, you know, maybe hold out for uh, for 86 as a potential support point. And uh, what do we have from yet? Had a pretty big range yesterday. Wow. Uh, but got three bucks to get to the bottom of yesterday's range. I think that's going to be tough for Emerson Electric. NXPI, NXP Semiconductors, Q3 adjusted EPS here, $3.70 beats the $3.59 estimate. Sales of $3.43 billion beat the $3.40 billion estimate. NXP sees Q4 non-GAAP EPS at $3.44 to $3.86 versus a $3.61 estimate. Total revenues at $3.3 billion to $3.5 versus a $3.43 billion estimate. Um, the same story. We're just doing these charts here. I mean, NXPI got <laughs> beat same. up, but it rallied again. We went from like, you know, we rallied up a little bit. You get yeah, the 50% just... retracement. I don't know. This one's kind of in the middle of nowhere, though. Yeah, Some, some stock charts are easy. Some stock charts are just like pass. This one's a pass for me. Joel, I don't know if you got a level four. Now, because you're you're working you're working away, you're below this candle. I would just give you if you're looking for a level on the downside, the next thing I could give you uh is uh Thursday's low at 173.31. Yeah. yeah. Street kind of leaning the wrong way into the report here. Uh going in a little bit long, and now you're gonna have some sellers. This one's an interesting one, not one that many might know. Transmedic Group, Q3 EPS here at 78 cents of a loss. Give the symbol, 16. TMDX. TMDX. EPS loss of 78 cents misses the loss of 16 cent estimate. Sales of 66.43 million beat the 49.19 million estimate, but they do see fiscal year 23 revenues at 222 million. To 230 million versus a 194.18 million estimate. This is giving them a pretty significant uh, lift here. TMDX, new stock, man. At least don't follow eyes. this company. Um, it's a huge move, 41%. I've learned the hard way. It's hard <laughs> to just come in and fade anything, especially when you don't follow the company here. I would say just. Bitballing numbers out there, sixty bucks. Yeah, I thought you were gonna nice say round that. number. You had a bunch of highs there Stole in September, yep. so I'm stealing your stuff. <laughs> I'd say that's a logical okay. stopping point, but I'm not shorting it. Uh yeah, Mitch triple D uh with with the steel here, good enough for a horizontal line. And it always really interesting too is that all those days you bumped up at sixty. Uh, you had problems at 58. That was like that range for the longest time. So, yeah. and that's what you hit in the pre-market. So better get a 58 bid and heads towards 60. Uh, top of yesterday's range, way down at 43.36 for Transmedics Group. Um, on the upside today, Des, we just got a little sneaky rally there. You know, TLT, like, uh, again, it, keep yeah. it on your screen. We just rallied 30 cents. It's so leading the market, IWM that is. I tweeted spy yesterday. I should for I should just be 
you know, shot for doing that because uh -oh. it's uh -oh. the TLT and IWM. Spy does whatever the Magnificent Seven does. I like so that. IWM gives me a better feel for what you know overall stocks are doing. Yes, it's a lot of small caps, and you know it doesn't encompass, but it, it encompasses two thousand companies. So it gives yeah. you a feel for like the capital markets rates. TLT linked with IWM again because a lot of smaller companies are very dependent on financing, and as financing goes higher, that hurts them. I think let's have a bigger discussion here again because chat's okay. like talking, you know, like all over the place with you know the overall economy here. It, it's difficult to call anything. Like I've got multiple people saying, you know, well, you know, they're worried about my cash position. I raised it more yesterday. I raised more cash. Uh, talking, yeah. just this, this, this is a discussion. Again, I'm in Canada. It's a different country. But you get a feel. And obviously, we know rates affect us more because a lot of people don't have 30-year mortgages. You know, pretty much more. has 30-year fixed in, in Canada. So rates are affecting us sooner than it would in the States. But talking to my real estate buddy again, you know, I really get a feel for what's going on. He's got like a couple, he's got, you know, um, you know, he's trying to sell how he's like nothing selling, but he's got a buyer and the buyer <clears throat> just has the choice of the world here in Canada right now. They're looking, you know, at, you know, a town that's not too far from here. There's new developments that are, have been built by the builders and there's, you know, hundreds of brand new houses sitting there empty, hundreds of brand new houses sitting there empty. And we have a housing shortage in, in, a, in, in, a, in Ontario right now. So, like, why are these empty? Because they're million-dollar homes. People can no longer afford million-dollar homes in Ontario. And you say, holy cow, million-dollar homes. Well, what are we talking about million-dollar homes? Well, the average house in Canada is $880,000, I think. So, I mean, again, your Canadian dollars, so they got to knock it off by, you know, a third, basically. But, you know, when, when you're looking here and you're seeing subdivisions full of, you know, brand-new homes that have been built, and no buyers. And he says there's all incentives for buyers to come in, like they're knocking this off and this off and giving you this. I mean, it's a it's such a buyer's market. I haven't seen a buyer's market like this in real estate in Ontario in a very, very long time. Again, Canada is in, a, in, a, in, a, in an official recession here, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Maybe we're, maybe we're you know, completely different than the States, but it's still very linked, North America. So Canada is fighting it here right now. You know, you look at the Canadian banks, for instance, Bank of Nova Scotia has bounced recently. Um, I did pick some of that up. I have some Bank of Montreal as well. But I mean, you give this perspective, you know, you just look at what they've done, like bring up that BNS, you know, longer term chart. Here's a stock, you know, a bank that was $74 a share. It's back down to the COVID lows, you know, of 40 here. There's only six big banks in Canada and BNS, you know, now yields 7% dividend as well. I mean, you know, these are kind of attractive from a long-term perspective, but not if we go into a housing crisis. So maybe Canada is completely different and maybe I got the Canadian blinders on and the U.S. is not going to fall into a recession here. But I tell you right now, in Ontario, people are starting to run out of money. They've still got money for the little stuff, but they don't have any money for the big stuff. So I think this eventually starts to hit everywhere. High rate, high rate, Higher rates for longer is eventually takes its toll. And we talked about the path. First, they rack up the credit card debt. Then they deplete all their savings, maybe at the same time. That has happened now. So now you're at a point where this lag is starting to like, you know, going to start to show up. And it's going to be big ticket stuff, not selling. We're already starting to see that in the States. You know, we know what's happened with a lot of these cyclicals, you know, generators. You know, that's why I sold my oh. generator. Nobody's buying a generator. It's a luxury item. People can't afford that. They can't get the financing. Solar stocks, financing. The customers can't afford the financing. So tech still the best place to be because we talked about the Apple, 
the luxury of an iPhone, which still has 0% financing on it. It's like a small luxury item that people can still afford, which keeps that party going. But at the same time, to put the blinders on and say, we're going back to all-time highs, we're going to get past this. We will not go back to all-time highs, in my opinion, until rates start to go significantly lower. The only reason rates are going to start going significantly lower is the Fed lowers them. And the only reason the Fed's going to lower them is if the economy falls off a cliff. So that's why in 2024, I believe it's going to get a lot rougher. I think Money Mitch, you're still with me on this. 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, the consumer, though, is is relentless, though. I will say that. And, and it, it's really impressive here how uh, we st- we've stood up to all this pressure. <laughs> Right. Let's just be honest. Um, and that's why some people still think that the soft landing is a narrative that can happen it, it because can. the consumer still hasn't us like broken. Let's just be honest. And the jobs numbers need to go higher. If yeah, they, ben, they, they are. I, they are. They are. I mean, you, know, you are seeing you are seeing the jobs numbers move up. And then like that was one thing that, you know, we had different people on the show. I was like, you know what? You know, the Fed is getting what they wanted. I mean, bad news is is good news for now that, uh, you know, that, uh, but hey, you know, what what's going to happen, you know, is that it goes oh, 3.9, oh, so that's low. And then 4.3 or 4. Point, you know, you get that one big jump and then then it's not going to be such great news when you get that that big jump here. But I think um, this brings us good to Dr. Horton, right? They reported. Okay, Let's talk a little bit about sure. that. Dr. Horton's Q4 EPS here, four dollars and forty-five cents, beats the three dollars and ninety-three cent estimate. Killed Sales it. of ten point five billion beat the ten point zero one billion estimate. Their Q4 home sales revenues of eight point eight billion on. 22,928 homes closed. Net sales orders increased 39% to 18,939 homes and 34% in a value of 7.3 billion. They do see fiscal year 24 consolidated revenues of approximately 36 billion to 37 billion versus a consensus of 36.2 billion. I've talked about this one and I just feel like they have no option but to take advantage of prices right now um, because I think that this is an opportunity for them to sell at higher prices before we go through some kind of trouble that's up ahead. Um, one thing to consider, and we don't talk about this a lot, I'm wondering if they're building smaller homes because no, again, they're not. Talking they're, to not. My, they're not? Good point. They're not, man. At least How I see. How do you know that? Because I, I, I've been looking for houses here in the United States. <laughs> okay. I can tell you that, in Ontario, What is happening right now here, Mitch, is the home sizes they're building now are getting a lot smaller. Okay. So they're, they're building a lot of like fourplexes, you know, like where obviously, you know, you're buying one plot of land, you're putting four homes on it. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of that go on. Apartments, my brother-in-law working, you know, he's an electrician working in an apartment building, was talking to him yesterday. They're building little, you know, six, seven, eight hundred square foot apartments. Little yeah, one that's bedroom not apartments. happening here. Those are going up much. here because we do have a housing shortage. But at the same time, people just don't have the money to get million dollar financing. So what is happening really is you're seeing a little boom actually happen in like some of the building pockets where they're building smaller stuff because people are like all of a sudden cannot afford a million dollar home anymore. Like if you go two years ago, everybody could afford a million dollar home, it seemed like in, in Ontario. Not everybody. People are going to say, oh, they couldn't. But, you know, a lot of people could. You've priced a lot of people out of the million dollar homes. It's just simple math. I mean, you take a one, per, well, you know, you got a mortgage 2% and you all of a sudden jack it to 8%. Well, that, you know, if you've got a $500,000 mortgage, you know, which a lot of people could afford, you think about your payment, you know, on 
every $100,000, when it goes up 6% is an extra $6,000 a year or an extra $500 a month on every hundred grand. So you go up, you know, 500 grand and these houses have moved up that much, nobody can afford them. So, I mean, that's why these million dollar subdivisions, these new million dollar subdivisions are sitting empty by you're getting these smaller, you know, pockets where they're building, you know, more houses, smaller houses, or going into, you know, apartments and building those. And those are actually doing quite well because people are trading down, not being able to afford, obviously, you know. So I'm wondering if that's going to happen in the States as well, where people start to get tougher, where they just start building smaller homes. So maybe these home builders, maybe it's some, I don't know, I don't follow them all closely enough, but I start looking at what are they building? Are they building yeah. bigger homes or smaller homes? Because the smaller homes, there could be demand for that. There, well, there's a couple that. things. There's um, smaller families. Like people are having smaller families, right? You're not. Yep, not that as is many, true, Joe. You know, so you need smaller units. Plus, you know that. So that's the big colonials. I will say the eyeball test around here, Dennis. Man, they're they're still building. And I mean, and what they're building, what I'm seeing more of is like you know the baby boomers are getting rid of their houses. And they're going into, you know, they're, they're condos, but, you know, they're independent units. And they're still, you know, they're, they're not like four or 5,000 square foot, you know, colonials. But we're still, we're still seeing a boom around here. So I'm not, you know, I don't know how long. But that is that boom shows it a trade down is what I'm, my point here is you're seeing stuff still build and I'm seeing it here as well. But is there that like trade down? Maybe it's not just all boomers that are looking to downsize. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's actually people. Who can't afford to get so so take away the person who's sitting with the 30-year fixed mortgage you know take let's take the the walmart worker who's coming in right now and trying to be a first-time home buyer you know in in your yeah. area first-time home buyer mitch you know like just coming in you know your area first-time home buyer yeah that's why i was going to bring it, in the message tough. that dunk a day put in the chat here uh north carolina is seeing a housing boom why because they've never been able to sell houses like especially like your common house, your three, two over, let's say 300,000. And now those houses are selling at 400, 500,000. They usually been selling houses here in North Carolina for under 300. Yeah. And so now these houses are worth twice the money. So they're just pushing in every land they can build houses. Everywhere they can build, they're trying to build. And that's what I see here in North Carolina. And that's what they've done in Ontario in the last year. The problem is now there's nobody buying them. It's just like it just that's stopped. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. It just stopped. And you wonder if that doesn't happen here, that a lot of these builders building these big and, – and I'm talking to other you – know, so I'm, I'm fairly connected in with a lot of builders. Um, obviously, you know, I've built a home, built a shop, but I'm, I've, I've got friends that are just in the industry. So, you know, and may, again, talking Ontario may be completely different than North Carolina, but – you know, what, what builders do when they're building these huge complexes, like, you know, they're buying, you know, huge lots and building hundreds of houses in these is what he says is when it starts to like go like that, they just slow it down. So they've got that and they just start slowing down the builds to try to like let the demand catch up. So they like timing it all. And right now, maybe Money Mitch is still, you know, there's enough housing shortage in the area where maybe it's still there. But I got to think eventually these new home buyers, it's just common sense. I mean, if you have interest rates at 2%, and you all of a sudden jack them to eight percent. The average person isn't going to be able to afford as much of a home. So I wonder. I still wonder that they aren't building smaller homes. That they aren't going to be starting to do that. But you know, this is a full discussion. You know, it's about the economy. Sometimes the stock market's not linked to the economy whatsoever. Many times it's not. But you know, at certain times it does reconnect. You know, when earnings start to go down, earnings power starts to go down, it starts to reconnect. I just wonder if we don't reconnect. You know, next year. 
Uh, just a real quick technical note for our uh, D.R. Horton traders. I mean, this is a big, big old area, this 120 area. We've gotten back half of the move. We snuck our head over, uh, over 120 on three different occasions since late August. And, you know, have it, you know, a couple other times we pulled off hard. Uh, your high from uh, Friday was 120.79. The closing high of the move was at 118.86. So if you're looking for more on this one, it's very important to clear that 120, get a sustained bid. I just looked at Toll Brothers, and look at this thing. This thing is back up in the all-time high region here. Look at that sneaky Toll Brothers up there. Uh, right near its all-time high. Once again, maybe just because it's on the higher end. And then what's uh, um, what's the other home builder that I like? Oh, um, KBH. I think that one's been a little bit weaker, but you know, maybe it's regionally based, like North Carolina and Michigan are still doing okay. You know, can Dennis, do you, is there any Canadian home builder stocks um, that you hmm, can think that's of? That's interesting. Yeah. I, 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 again, I wouldn't be buying those right now because I no, think I it's going to tougher Opposite. for them, shorting them Opposite. more than anything. Yeah. Um, I don't I know. Thinking. I don't know the answer to that question. So, actually, you know, I live in Canada, but I trade the U.S. markets. I've hardly yeah, ever looked at Toronto. I, I, was just I know, like, the big six banks. I know your oil companies. I know all the ones that trade in the U.S. <laughs> so, if it doesn't trade in the U.S., like, as an 80. So, you if know, you can come after it, you know, it, right? In the U.S. on <laughs> multiple exchange, like, I'm probably not looking at it. People ask me about the Canadian markets all the time. Yeah. I don't know anything about the Canadian markets. I'm just looking at the real estate market. I'm looking at outside, but I don't know anything about the Canadian stock market. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get to Derek Oldensmith, Senior Trader and Managing Supervisor at T3 Trading Group. And you guys see that QR right on the screen. I'm going to also put it in the bottom right corner in just a second. So if you guys want to get a free ebook, learn a little bit more about prop trading, check this out, guys. Hit that link and let's go ahead. Let's get to our segment today. All right, let's get to the action. How are we doing, Derek? It's good to have you. Hey, good morning. It's great to be back. How are you? Doing great. Ready to get after it. Talk a little bit about some markets. Of course, it's been a, a not not an easy road, but a crazy little drive back. I know that you were on just last week talking a little bit about Chewy and playing a little bit of that momentum going back. Are you still riding that momentum? And what do you see at least in the indexes here? Sure. So I had turned really bullish just a little bit over a week ago, going into the Fed, kind of expecting the, the dovish pivot that we got, which I didn't think that the market itself was was expecting. And then there was just a huge follow through in, in just about everything that you could have possibly been involved in, whether you're in big tech or, or growth. The growth was weaker again yesterday, or the banks, which were a big focus for me, the regional banks were a big focus for me uh, to the long side expecting that if TLT could get through that $85 resistance, that we could get a lot of follow through. Now at this point, it's a massive move. We went from one of the most oversold that I've seen the market to one of the most overbought that I've seen the market in an extremely, extremely short period of time. With that said, I still think it's very hard to not be long. Uh, what I've done into this up move is I went from probably being the longest that I've been this entire calendar year, just a little bit over a week ago, to piecing out of that on the way up and beginning to actually build into some hedging shorts with the spies and the queues last Friday as we began to extend. 
but that's really just more for a brief trade to see how we satisfy upside extension in this market because if you're looking at like a tactical flow of funds right now it, it's very difficult i think to be bearish on this market for, for the rest of november so i'm still looking at growth i'm still looking at banks yeah. but after a big move you know markets work in periods of expansion and consolidation over time that was a big expansion period we need some some correction via timer price here let's keep working backwards here let's go towards maybe the sectors that you see out there what do you see hot right now what industries are you looking at or maybe it's even to the short side what are you seeing out there Derek? so i i like a broad-based long portfolio right now uh, i like being involved in big cave tech because it's hard it's hard not to be and the strength there has just been incredible even if you look at how apple recovered post earnings I've been looking for an uptick in growth as yields come down. I have, we, you know, we had a big two-day move where breadth had really improved and the IWM got a lot stronger. So we saw small caps, mid caps, growth, get a really big two-day move. I didn't like the relative weakness that we saw yesterday. That's something that I'm eyeing broadly, the ARC complex names, if you want to call it that, just for a higher percentage return on the upside if the you know, TLT pullback gets bought back up, which I think that it will. Um, so that's definitely a focus for me. But everything else, for the most part, I think needs to to reset. Like I still like financials, but the move was so yeah. big. How, how do you how do you yeah. come in and add exposure to, exactly. to financials here now? Yeah. What, what what do you like using for things like that? Are you kind of a moving average? Do you like different moving average? Are you into exponentials, simples? Would you be looking for some pullbacks to a moving average to maybe play buying the dip here? What would you be looking at there? Sure. So I use an 821 EMA on my charts, and I, I okay. think I use them in a little bit of a unique way compared to other traders that I've met. I broadly consider the space between the 821 EMA to be what I call technical equilibrium for any market that I'm looking at. So if we're trading above that 80 EMA in a rising market, we're extended by, by some degree, and extension can be more or less extreme. What we've seen really consistently over the last two years is every time the S&P or the NASDAQ, the, the SPY or the QQQ, gets $10 plus away from the ADMA, whether it's on the upside or the downside, it's not only difficult to get continuation, but it's been a great opportunity to come down the other side. And again, it, it was just a week and a half ago that we had $10 plus of extension in the SPYs and Qs to the downside, away from that ADMA, away from that, in this case, lower band of equilibrium, because we were still trending down. And then it was just, Friday last week that we got $10 of extension to the upside, just an extremely fast move. So that's when I'm, I'm piecing out again of those longs, building into shorts, and I want to see how this market clicks through time or price to that ADMA again on the daily chart, how that catches up. Derek, we caught so many people maybe short, you know, obviously, you no, know, we got a a failed breakdown at NVIDIA under 400, and all of a sudden, you know, it just, boom. It turns around, it goes up 15% in basically four trading sessions here. Is there the possibility that we just have underneath demand because there's still shorts caught here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sentiment at this point is still extremely negative. Uh, CTAs are, are net short $52 billion in US equities, and they're set to buy throughout this week, no matter what the scenario is in the market. I think CTA flows in a, in a flat tape are the highest from a buying perspective that has ever been expected on a flat tape for, for this week, which is impressive. Wow. That's at the same time as we're coming into the strongest month of the year for buybacks. Uh, I read a, a Goldman note that says that they're expecting $5 billion in demand per day in buybacks throughout this month, basically starting today. 
So there, there's a lot of flow of funds that are really positive in this market at, a, at the same time where people are, are, are caught short and sentiment is still really negative. It, it's ripe for a solid upside squeeze with that. And, and that's why I'm saying it's very difficult to be short right now in this market, but you still have to pay mm -hmm. your extension. Uh, Friday last week, we just hit extreme extension to the upside and you need time or price correction. But I think dips in this market are, are to be bought right now. All right, guys, I do want to give you guys an ability to keep up with Derek and everything that he does. Like we says right at the bottom, we're always looking for real traders, right? Real time. He swing trades and day trades. I got to talk to him sometime on my swing trading show, but always good to have that outlook. Check this out, guys. This is that ebook. I'm throwing it up in the chat here and let's keep it moving. So outlook here, I mean, it, it's such a tricky market, Derek, because we've run so far. So I like I'm scared to kind of chase stocks here. But at the same time, I'm kind of scared of short stocks because, you know, all the stats you just gave that, you know, we could have continued buying in here. So how do you approach it as a trader here? Like right now for the next like week, just looking not not ahead, like, you know, the next month or the next year, but just looking ahead in the next week. How do you approach it when, you know, you've run this far, but, you know, it's a little bit maybe early to start shorting stocks? It's a great question. So. One of the things that I always preach to the traders that I work with is one of the keys to success in trading is knowing when you need to be aggressive, knowing when you need to go pedal to the metal because there's a ton of opportunity out there, and knowing when you need to be a little bit more passive and, and, and let things reset up. I think right now and, and for the last two trading sessions, and I'm going to say the same thing today in my morning meeting to my team, I think we're right now in a less is more scenario. Be patient. Let the market okay. reset up. Let the setup come to you. And then when the setup is there, then we can see, okay, you know, we created a beautiful bull flag here over the course of four days. Now the setup is there. We can go in for the longs. Or we've price corrected and the market's not creating a pivot and we can try to go long off that pivot. Wait for the setup to come to you. Don't force it if it's not there. Where we are this morning, where we're set to open this morning, is an area that I consider to be no man's land. That's what I call it. We're in a spot where if, if you short here, you could get your face ripped off on a short squeeze. I don't like the risk reward on the short side. But the long side, we're still a little bit extended from the huge move that we had that yeah. makes it a, a not great risk reward on the long side. Like if, if, if you're coming in and you're looking to buy SPY right here at 435, where we're basically trading pre-market, the market could pull back to 429 and still be healthy and bullish and create a higher low at 429. You don't want to be bag holding $6 against you. You may still end up being right in the long side, but the pain that you're going to have to endure in the meantime just makes this spot right now not an ideal spot for new longs or new shorts. So, so, so be patient. Cash is a position. Uh, I've got longs on still, but I, I've, I've made my book a little bit more neutral over the course of the last week. And I'm, I'm just waiting for the site to come in. I'm waiting for that signal. The old Joel, mute Joel's trick. on mute. He does it once a show. <laughs> what? See, he's like 90 years old, so he does this every yeah. once in a while. Here, Derek, yeah. you're new to the show, but Joel's... <laughs> What's up, Joel? What you Joel, want you want to ask it? a really good question, though, so jump in here. No, I took it off mute. Uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> he was totally I, I, I was like, is he trolling me right now? <laughs> he is trolling us. Yeah. What about the lagger trade? You know, I mean, you know, like the, you know, the stocks, like you're looking and you're, you know, and I, I, I should pull up some examples. I mean, people are like, well, this rally's already gone. I missed a magnificent seven, but you know, this is just kind of skimming along the bottom. There's two ways you can look at it. It's like, well, if you haven't gone now, you're not going. So it, is that something you're doing? Maybe you're looking for some of the laggard trades 
or the laggards are laggards for a reason. Yeah, you know, I, I years ago in my training learned to be very careful about laggards because oftentimes they are laggards for a reason. I, I remember like years ago looking at Uber and Lyft and seeing a huge move to the upside in Uber. And I was like, you know, I'm going to come in and buy Lyft. It's going to be a catch-up trade. And Uber just kept going and going and going and Lyft was a dog and it, and it, and it didn't do anything. So um, I don't necessarily love the laggards. With that scene, growth has been a little bit of a laggard, especially if you looked at the relative weakness. And I think that with an interest rate move a little bit to the downside, which is what I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting bonds to still get bought here for a period of time, that we actually may see some catch up and growth. So it's uh, it, it, it's something I've, I've got my eye on is broadly that arc complex of, of stocks. What do you look for for a turn here? I mean, I, you know, like potential double top in the S&Ps, you know, the highs from Friday and Monday, the buyers just didn't give in yesterday. Are you looking, are you looking to identify like the kind of pattern on the upside or you say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try and pick a top. You're going to pick an area of weakness. And then if that area just breaks, like right now you got a good level because yesterday's low was uh, 4364 and a quarter. We bounced over, you know, off 4366. So, you got your support. How do you like to do it? Do you like to try and um, uh, pick a top or sell on weakness? So I, I definitely don't like picking tops and picking bottoms. I think it's a fool's game and a great way to lose money in the long run. What what I do is I try to pick places where there's a high probability of a retracement in the other direction. And then I have rules in place for my trading on how I can potentially capture a retracement that becomes a reversal. Uh, I believe as a general rule, counterpoint trading is a lower probability game. The question that you got to ask yourself right now, though, is which, which way is the counterpoint? Because I don't think that we've actually reversed here. We haven't gone from a pattern of, of lower highs and lower lows in the spies to a pattern of higher highs and higher lows. It's just it's just been straight up. So we need some sort of higher low to come in in this market. So that's why I'm I'm watching really carefully here over the course of these several days, and so far so good the last two trading sessions on how we digest that big gain. If we can continue to sit up here the way that we did yesterday and create a bull flag in front of that double top resistance that you were referring to, that could be a phenomenal setup for us to actually break out. Uh, the flip side is we've still got a decent amount of extension here. So if the market pulls back, that's why I built into some QQQ shorts via the, the TQQ leverage ETF. Uh, U Pro shorts via the or spy shorts via the U Pro ETF just mm -hmm. in case that pullback happens. But I, I definitely want to be on the long side of this market right now. It's just from a, a tactical trading perspective. I want to see how the setup actually comes to play. Do we get that breakout via bull flag? In which case, I will be all over liquidating my shorts and and capturing the upside move on my longs. Or do we get that pullback here, which could easily happen? We still have a good amount of extension. We could pull back for a day or two, create a higher low, still be bullish, and then I'll piece out of my shorts on the way down, build back into longs even further, and then and then look for the continuation of the upside. But um, I'm without a doubt remaining on the bull side of this market for this month until the market proves me that I'm wrong. All right, Derek, they want a specific stock. Anything you're looking at now that you, you kind of have a setup that you're looking for? What could you bring up for us? Sure. So uh, I, I'm, I'm in 16 long positions right now as we're having this conversation in two shorts. 
So I've got a book and I could talk my book. Um, it, it's pretty diverse. I'm in Bank of America. I'm in Chevron. So I got mm. some energy exposure. I got some financial exposure. I've got growth exposure in uh, Senegal One, which I think could get a, a decent secondary move today. Let's talk about that one. That's an interesting one. That's uh, a lagger trade. Yeah, let's talk about that one. That hasn't <laughs> moved much. Uh, Sentinel One. What do you What do you see here, and uh, what do you see on the setup? What should we maybe be looking for uh, to show us that conviction that Sentinel wants that lift? So I, the first thing I can say is I love the company, and even though I am really a technical trader, uh, mm -hmm. I do like to have a background in, in in fundamentals with my approach when I'm getting involved in different stocks. I like the I like company. It. Uh, it's it's a buyout candidate in my opinion, even though. Last earnings season, the the CEO specifically came out and said, "We are we are not for sale. I'm not looking to sell the company, but I do think that this is a potential buyout candidate from from a bigger player. So I, I like having that uh, potential tailwind behind me for for this type of name. It's been basing out here in in, in front of 15. Uh, took a little bit of a hit when the FTNT earnings came out last week, but the Datadog report this morning and it could trade as a secondary to that was, was so excellent. So I'm looking for this thing to lift off this base that it's at that's been building out around the 14 to 15 dollar area, and then you've got bigger resistance into 17, 18 that I want to see if it if it can go after. So uh, sitting on that one, and and if I, if I would pick one position that I'm I'm not in currently, not to change the subject on you, yeah. uh, the one I'm looking at for today that I'm not currently in, which I may or may not get in, we'll see how it how exactly. it sets up during the day, is, is Carvana. Actually, um, okay. Trading golf post earnings report is pulled back pretty deep. Still a pretty large short flow. Really tight inside day yesterday with relative strength. If that can clear through 33 slash yesterday's high and there's uh, relative strength and growth today, um, I want to see if this thing can squeeze and I might go after that for a new entry. Love it. Always good to have you, Derek. Of course, if you guys want to check him out, learn a little bit more about prop trading. You guys see that QR code right here. Just go ahead and scan it up, guys. Take a look at it. Always good to have you, Derek. And like I mentioned, I might have to have you on my swing trading show. Talk a little swing trading action. It's always good to be a little bit of a mix. And I like that mix. You know, going with what works and your all-in approach is definitely something to learn from. Guys, check them out. Like always, it's good to have you on, Derek. We'll bring you back on. I'd love to do it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Derek. All right. Let's go ahead. Thanks, Derek. Let's get back to the markets. And like always, you guys can learn a lot more from Derek. If you guys want to check him out, definitely you guys see that link below. Check him out. Hit that ebook if you guys want to get it, scanning it one last time here. And we'll get back to the markets. T3, of course, unlock your trading potential. If you guys want to check it out, elevate your trading game with T3 Live. Let's get back to the action. How are we looking here, Joel? Uh, I just want to, before we go back to the action, let's move on here. I just want to bring, you know, Derek's conversation just into perspective here too, because, you know, he's a good trader, T3, great company, like we've said before. Um, and what, you know, what I've been pretty good at doing over my trading career is separating my long-term thoughts and my short-term thoughts. That's why three, four days ago I was with Derek. I'm like, I feel like we're oversold. You know, we were calling for a bounce because we were oversold. We've got that bounce. Does that bounce continue here? Um, he makes me think that it can continue. So as much as I was bearish this whole first half of the show, and I yeah. still am bearish for 2024, and I'm not coming in buying stocks in my long-term investment portfolio because I just think, you know, it's. I think in 2024 it's going to get rougher. You know, me and you, Money Mitch, have both said, mm -hmm. you know, we set up well seasonality here. So you can be overall bearish but short-term bullish. It's okay to do that. I and I think the bulls are still in control here, despite 
you know, IWM not having a great day yesterday, TLT, but we're still above 85 on the TLT. You know, there's still reasons to be long from a trading perspective here. And I think I'm still biased with Derek. I think I'm looking, you know, in my trading account here at potential longs. The S that he talked about sets up fairly well. It's a laggard trade. You know, and obviously, you know, I think this market could come after laggers to your point here, Joel. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. And, you know, you start going like Datadog was a total laggard move, a total laggard move. The stock's sitting on the lows and they rip it higher. So what does that mean? It means other laggards can move here as well. So I think it's very important as a trader to, you know, separate your long-term and short-term thoughts. If you're a long-term investor, buy good companies, a reasonable valuation, stay invested. But, you know, if you're a trader and you're trying to trade your long-term account, you can have, you know, thoughts where I'm going to sit with cash, my long-term stuff, make 5.75% right now. And that's on Ontario GIC. That's where they're at right now. And, uh, you know, just let that just be. You know, I'm making 5.75% of my long-term money, and that's good. But from a trading perspective, you can still, you know, trade. And, you know, I don't put GICs in my trading account. I'm trading on margin all the time in my trading account, using it up and going long, short. Sometimes I'm hedged. A lot of times I'm hedged. But sometimes, to Derek's point is, I'm biased long. I still think I'm biased by the dip. I'm pretty much fully with Derek here in the short term. We did go down. I mean, uh, the sell-off yesterday, and you know, I kind of it's your feel for the market and the market structure. And when we were talking like the last week and a half, it was like we were going down, and the VIX was like getting a little. But it just seemed the buyers were there. You know, it just it there weren't whooshes. It was you know, the short you could get short and be your way a little bit, and then there'd be a big bounce. And so it it kind of feels like the way we went down yesterday. The buyers are like they're still out there. Like the way we went down and got the bounces and then had a strong close. So I'm with you on that. I'd I'd be much more with you if we could take if we could take out Friday's high, which was also the weekly high. So we're there. We're first we got to go green today. First things first, and then sure. get above there. Things open up. Uh, Pablo asked for a quick technical on Apple, and they bought the dip on Apple. Trading down 49 cents today. Uh, you've been in a real trading range here with Apple. Yeah, we did sneak above uh, 180 a couple times. So you want to be holding out for the 180. The 182 is four-star resistance. So get up there. Make make sure if the longer it takes to get up there and kind of if it starts to roll over. Uh, but that's that's the next major resistance for Apple's 182. And the high close of the move at that time was at 180.71. It just seems real thick between 180 and 182, but I didn't lose my bet to Dennis yet. I, I don't know. That one could go I forgot on. all about the bet. So give me the parameters here once again. Once, we, you got you had 160. I made 180. I don't know. You guys were You have 200? I got I have, 200. I, have 160. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. 200. Well, you know what? You're sitting right back here at even. It's right in the middle. So it's come all the way back. You're looking bad when we got down to 166. It looks like you're going to immediately lose that. But we got this underneath demand and tech. You know what? Maybe an end of the year rally. That's kind of stock. Maybe they continue to buy. It doesn't have any debt. Not affected. 0% finance. What has 0% financing left? iPhones. There's a lot of things with 0% financing. (laughs) So, I mean, 
I, I could get bullish Apple. I could turn around. Maybe I want out of the bat. Maybe you want to let me out here right now. I, I'm more yeah, bullish I Apple right now <laughs> than I was a week ago. I'll tell you that. We're having more fun, we're about having us. More fun talking about Celsius it. Holdings. Us, Celsius Holdings. We got to get to that yeah. one. That's a retail favorite for sure. Q3 EPS, 89 cents beats the 46 cent estimate. Sales of 384.76 million beat the 348.94 million estimate. And uh, we all know how uh, it's just the hot energy drink out there um, and bang has been losing market share monster has been losing market share that's why monster bought bang in the first place but now they can't compete against celsius so will they have to go and buy celsius also things like that you've got to be thinking about but definitely uh c-e-l-h continues to beat they love this stock. I mean, it's a stock that's loved. Um, it's a stock that's held up very well, too. And the move that it's had has been nothing sort of, sort of incredible. I don't drink drinks, so I don't know. But 2020, this is 3 bucks now $188. So, Crazy. I mean, the movement is real. Is it the new monster? Oh, yeah. Like, from a stock perspective, Without a doubt. It's, it's, it's been the monster. It's been way better than the monster here for a while here now. I mean, MNST in the same time periods went from 30 to 56. So, Celsius is definitely come in and is the monster here right now the monster stock anyways so hard to fight that relative strength with that being said i'm not chasing things up six percent oh, so it's one of those trades where derek was just saying sometimes it's okay to just sit on your hands can you believe this went back and tested the low of the move last week i mean it just uh even on uh and they Thursday? did the three for one stock split and yeah that, off yeah again. yeah they saved that uh <laughs> I, this this candle right here is the candle of indecision it had a day where it went from 191 198 to 180 and closed at 181 and a half so Pick the only number I could give you on the upside right now is a uh, uh, pre-market high one ninety-six fifty, but that's uh, eight bucks away. So this one is faded, uh, but you know what? The data dog hasn't given up. It found support under ninety-five, and we're right at the ninety-five dollar area, and now coming back up to the pre-market high. So Changing. I did have one Celsius drink, and um, it was okay. Todd Gordon favorite. Todd, if you're listening today. He has been all over this stock. He he's loved it. Have you heard of yeah. Coco? Have you heard of Coco? Oh uh, no, what's that? I got to teach you guys sometimes. Uh, Change Agent coming in here with a new monster. And I give a shout out to Change Agent. This is Vita Coco. And so this is a coconut or water drink. Um, I remember when it used to be in 7-Eleven, I used to be able, I I was not able to hold this in stores because the demand was so high. Now it's actually higher than it was back then. You guys can see that monthly chart. This is a very similar chart to CELH and has been continuing to grind higher. Oh, good one. Okay. Two things. One, two things. One, I just want to mention that the TLT is rallying here. We're getting uh-huh. back a lot of the loss from yesterday. That's probably yep. good for the IWM. The I did just take a. I did just increase my exposure to IWM here a few minutes ago. Here, um, when because TLT started moving higher here again too. I do think from a day trading perspective that IWM should probably go green here if TLT can stay up here. So it's still trading in the red, but I think that's good news for IWM. And then secondly, I want to highlight. Um, Biomarin here. Elliot's taking a stake in BMRN here. So we're seeing a huge pop. We know Elliot moves stocks maybe better than any activist investor out there. Uh, Biomarin's up 7% right now. New stake from Elliot being reported by Reuters. 
Uh, boom, you got the pop just over 82. That was an area of a couple highs, except for this sneaky high. If you're holding out for more, 84.27. That was your November 1st high in Biomarin. Boy, he was buying the dip. He must have been buying the last couple days and getting the pop. All right, there's some remaining headlines, but I'll keep touching them on live trading. Stellantis with Ram Trucks, Planet Fitness's earnings, and TripAdvisor. We'll continue that on live trading. Time to wrap up the market here. What's your last outlook going into the market here, Dennis? Um, I think today, trader hat on here, I'm looking at buying stocks here this morning right now because this TLT rally is significant. It's coming mm -hmm. back here, getting a lot of the losses from yesterday back, which is impressive here. Um, we know IWM fo followed suit yesterday. I think it follows suit again. Trading in the red, lots of you know IWM components, lots of banks trading in the red here. Lots of you know cyclicals trading in the red this morning. I think it's an opportunity with the trading cap on here to pick up stocks right now because I think we're going to go green. Uh, it's a sleepy market. One thing they say is don't don't sell uh, a sleeping market. Uh, support. Is I mean mid range on the session right now, so you got to look at it. It's seventy four. That was right near Friday's close, but uh, the big bogey is uh, the the close from yesterday. That was a high close of the move at eighty four seventy five. And if the bulls want to get this thing going, really going, really put the hurt to the bears, you got to get above that double top at the uh, forty three ninety area. So a couple couple bob bogeys for the bulls. All right, we're getting a little love here from AC2000. We want to give a shout out to him, of course, saying that Joel, Triple D, uh, Money Mitch, great show. I have learned so much in the last past months, so thank you. And that's really what we do this for. I know that Dennis right. and Joel would quit tomorrow if you guys weren't learning, right? That's the truth. Um, they're trying to pay it forward for you guys out there to go ahead and continue learning about the markets, being ready for the open. And you guys see it. It's always about kind of being nimble, uh, moving around. You guys see Dennis sometimes flip. And the reason why, sure. he knows that's his job. His job is to make money. His, his job a lot of the times is day trading, right? Ending of the market, all, the all in approach, all in, all out at the end of the day. And I think that's important to kind of keep up with, guys. Learn from these guys. You guys have some great mentors to learn from. Reach out to them if you guys have any question. Dennis Dick always keeping up with his Twitter. And Joel yeah. Alconin, you guys can always catch him on Pre-Market Prep Plus if you guys are interested in learning more. Always good to have you guys. Let's do the guest for tomorrow, Joel, and wrap up Pre-Market Prep. Uh, Jeremy Schwartz uh, from Wisdom Tree is uh, going to join us and give us his perspective on the markets. Everyone, be safe out there, and not only do we try, we learn from you guys too. So we do. This is the main reason I do the show here too. Is I learn yeah. so much from the chat. I mean, you bring people on, and obviously you get opinionated, and then you know you hear another opinion, and you're like thinking about it. Even Derek coming on here today, you know, sometimes I get that you know blinders on where you start talking, you see the economy not doing that well. The economy is not the stock market a lot of times here. And Derek makes a lot of good points. We set up actually technically fairly well here right now to continue this bull run here. So I think, you know, if you're getting short stocks here for next year's recession, I think you're early. All right, guys. Like always, keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader, and at Spoose. All right, guys. Get you over now to live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Stick right here. Like always, we got a lot more for you guys on Benzinga. Let's keep it going and see what we can come up with today. We'll be